Well, times have changed. You used to be get to this point, you say, well, turn over in your Bible, but most people now pull up their app on their phone. So uh, get your phone on or uh, open your Bible app, turn in your Bible. If you did not bring any of those devices, there's a pew Bible in front of you. I invite your attention this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. We'll take a break for a week or two at least uh, in our study in John, chapter 17. And... Uh, it's just something been on my mind uh, from this particular passage for a few weeks, and I uh, figured the Lord must have put it on my mind for a reason. So I wanted to look this morning at Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, going through verse 11. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? And Jesus answering them, saying, Have you not read so much as this, what David did when he himself was in hunger, and they which were with him, how he went into the house of God, and did take and eat the showbread, and gave also to them that were with him, which it is not lawful to eat, but for the priest alone? And he said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and he taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the, men, or to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto him, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath, day to, or on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness. And they communed one with another that they might, or what they might do to Jesus. Father, again, we ask a blessing upon the reading of your word. Help us, Father, to realize there is an importance of the Sabbath, but it's important because of the Lord of the Sabbath. And Father, I pray that today we set out not to establish and police a set of taboos and requirements and things of that nature for your day. But Father, that we would alter our heart and our mind towards your day. For if our mind and our heart and our soul is, if we view the Lord's day the way that we ought to, we'll find that we need not a list of taboos and a list of requirements. Father, help us to see today the Lord of the heart of the Sabbath. And may we today worship him and know that this day is separate from all other days of the week. For it is your day. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. The story is told of a Scottish minister pastoring a very small congregation there in Scotland. And one particular Sunday, uh, he rose early in the morning, as most pastors will do, and, and, and looked over his notes and so forth. And he realized as he looked out the window of his little house that on the night before that Saturday night, it had come a rather significant snow. 
And as he was making final preparations and getting ready to go, the thought ran across his mind how difficult it would be to walk from his house to the, the, the place where the congregation met, traipsing through the very deep snow. He knew that was going to be quite a journey and very difficult. And the thought came to his mind, seeing as that he was a good ice skater, and he really enjoyed ice skating, and that the river that flowed by, by his house and also by the, truck was by the church was completely froze over. He thought, I'll just wear my ice skates and I'll skate to church today. So he put on his ice skates and he got his Bible and he put another pair of shoes and tied them, uh, the shoelaces and hung them over his shoulder and off he went and he skated down the river till he got to the church building. He got there and he took his skates off, put his shoes on and began to walk into the church building. Bible in one hand and his skates clutched in another hand. As he walked in, there was members there and one old saintly lady said, uh, Preacher, did you skate to church this morning? Well, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. She didn't say anything else about it. But as the course of the services went on that day, the, the, the preacher could, could see that there was becoming a, a buzz and a stir among the people. He thought very little bit about it. Skated back home that night, or that afternoon. Skated back that night service. And as he got there that night, obviously word had gotten around and, and so one of the elders of the church had come to him and said, uh, Preacher, we need to meet with you after church if you don't mind. Still unknowing of what was going on, he met with them. And he goes on to tell the story that for hours they argued about whether he had broken or the intent of the Sabbath by skating to church. And this went on and on and on, and one, deacon, or one elder would make this point, another elder would say this, and, and, and it went on and on until finally one elder stood up and said, you know, we've talked about this for hours, and I can see that we're not getting anywhere. He said, I think I know the question that will put this issue to rest, and we'll know whether our pastor has set a good example and done a right thing or a wrong thing. And the elder said, preacher, would you answer one question? And the preacher said, well, sure. He said, did you enjoy the skate trip? The idea being that we can't do anything on the Sabbath or the Lord's Day that we would enjoy. I would submit to you this morning that God instituted, as we'll see in Mark chapter 2, uh, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, 12, 27. Uh, I'll get back to my notes and I'll find the reference for sure. But I would present to you this morning that man was not created to keep the Sabbath, as Jesus said, but that the Sabbath was created for you and I. And I would like for us to understand this morning that the Sabbath, even though that's an Old Testament idea, that the Sabbath is, Sabbath is really that which God has provided for you and I for our benefit and for our enjoyment. This morning our thoughts will center around the idea of missing out on that which God has provided for our benefit, the Sabbath. You know, I, I find myself, and, and I suppose this is true of every, every preacher that's ever stood and preached, that, that you know, he can remember how things were when he was a kid and growing up in church and, and how, how things have changed. I, I think sometimes I get the idea as if things only have changed drastically in, in the 53 years now that I've been alive. And in reality, 
times are constantly changing uh, how people view things and, and, the, and the way that we do things and what we do. I can remember when I was a kid being brought up in church and I'm not talking about some crazy church. I'm not talking about some wild church, some undoctrinal church. I'm not talking about uh, a church that is legalistic. I just remember as a kid, and it really didn't have as much to do with the church as it did my parents, that Sunday was the Lord's Day. And there were certain things that we did on Sunday, and there were certain things that we did not do on Sundays. Now, my, my intent, and hear me well this morning, I, I'll share with you, throughout the course of this, how things have changed, but my intent is not to say that this is a list of things that we must create, and now we must police this list of things that are taboos. You cannot do this on the Lord's Day, or you must do these and these on the Lord's Day. That's not the point of this. All right? I'm not going to, to give us a, a list. That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees said you could do this, you could do this, but don't you dare go to this point because now you've gone too far on the Sabbath. I will not this morning tell you what you can and what you cannot do. For the Bible really doesn't speak uh, a great deal, especially in the New Testament, of how many steps can I make. If I carry more than five pieces of firewood, have I, made, have I sinned? Uh, is it okay if I bake? Is it okay if I do this? When we moved here, we had left our stove uh, in, in Mobile. And so as we, were, uh, as we bought the house and got ready to move into it, we needed to get a new stove. Paul and I were uh, shopping and wound up going to Sears up here, and we looked at stoves, and uh, Jamie wasn't there that day, but one of the other salesmen or the, was there waiting on us. He came and he told us about this stove and the special feature that it had. My wife bought a stove. Now, I don't know why. I don't know why my wife bought a stove, but I certainly don't know why she bought this stove. This stove, believe it or not, has a Sabbath feature on it. You can go into the settings on this stove, which when I was a kid, again, the only settings on a stove was how many degrees do you want it to cook at? That's about the only setting that there was, maybe a timer. But this stove has a device that you can set it so that it will not come on on the Sabbath, so that you don't break the Sabbath. Now, I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do. The Bible doesn't give us that information. But what I would like to do is retrain our mind as to what the Lord's Day is. And from the mindset that we have of it, let that mindset dictate to you what you and the Lord agree are acceptable and what is not acceptable. When I was a kid, it was taboo. Even if you went to church on Sunday morning and you went back on Sunday evening services, it was taboo to get in the fishing boat and go fishing on Sunday afternoon. Now, if you go fishing on Sunday afternoon, I, 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 did I not make it clear? I'm not telling you what you can and cannot do. I may say that a dozen times in this sermon because I don't want somebody going out there saying, Brother Jeff said we can't do this. All right? I'm just telling you when I was a kid, that was an absolute no-no on the Lord's Day. It even went to the point where on the Lord's Day, we weren't able to go outside and play basketball or football or baseball or whatever it may be. 
That was an absolute no-no. We live in a world today, and I hear a lot of parents because of, of, of calling baseball games and so forth, I hear a lot of parents griping about the idea that, that kids are having to practice so much and that kids are playing now tournaments on Sunday, and it's nobody's fault but God's own people for not keeping to some particular standards that says, my kids won't do this. I'll promise you, if a team of about 15 kids and about 12 of them, their parents say, coach, you do what you want to do, but my kid's not playing on Sunday morning and missing church, I'll promise you they'll stop having tournaments on Sundays. They'll stop because they'll stop they can't field teams. Now, playing in between services, again, once you determine about the Lord's day and you, and you and the Lord square that away, that's between you and, and the Lord. But I can tell you there's something definitely wrong about going to tournaments instead of being in the Lord's house or other things such as that. There were so many things back then that we grew up knowing that you, knowing that you could not do because, and I can hear my mama saying it now, this is the Lord's day. It's his day. Now, I understand that we can become very legalistic. And I'll be honest with you, there's a part of me that kind of almost likes legalistic. And I, 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 I actually say probably most of us would rather have it legalistic where we could say, here is a list by which we can do this and we cannot do that. Now it's cut and dried and, and we know, how, we know, what, you know what is expected of us. I understand that people can become legalistic. I, I hear debates, I hear uh, arguments nearly every week about churches that have quit having BTC or quit having Sunday night services or the style of song service that they have or the length of this and, and all of those things. And I understand that we can become very legalistic But I do not want us in an effort to stay away from being legalistic. I do not want us to go to the other extreme whereby we become like much of the rest of the world that says Sunday is not any different than any other day. Anything that you can do on a Monday through Saturday, you can also do on a Sunday. I would submit to you this morning that the Word of God says that the first day of the week for the New Testament Christian is a special day. It is a sacred day. It is the Lord's day, and that ought, to, that ought to steer what we do or what we don't do on this day. Now, I realize that as we consider this, I understand that we go back to the fourth commandment in the law of Moses, the Sabbath. And I'm afraid that we live in a day and time in which so many people say that has a whole lot to do with back then and has nothing to do with now. I don't know how familiar you are with certain terms, but there, are, there is a term among, known among the evangelical world called dispensationalism. Now, all I'm trying to do is just kind of give you a little bit of background on this. Dispensationalist, I had to practice that all morning. Y'all proud of me? I stumbled over small words, but I got dispensationalist out. Dispensationalists believe that you can break down human history, all of it, 
what is past, what is current, and what is yet to be done, and you could place them, pigeonhole them, all in neat little categories known as uh, the pre-Adamic age, the Adamic age, the flood age, the law age, uh, the church age, the king age, kingdom age, or the eternal ages. And they have about six or seven, depending on which book you read of. Uh, Clarence Larkin's got one. Uh, but th th you can pigeonhole everything into one of these different dispensationals. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of times when I'm studying the Word of God, I, I'm, I'm a little leery to say that everything can be pigeonholed into this or that or the other. Sometimes you wind up painting yourself in a corner and you can't get out then. The other danger with dispensationalists is, is you look at the law of Moses and you say, huh, I can handle this real easy. That was for them. Dispensationalists will go all so far to say that, well, the law of Moses has nothing to do for us. It was all for them. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about the kingdom and the kingdom of God, and that's not yet come, and so that belongs out there. So they now have disallowed the Sermon on the Mount and the law of Moses. And you know what they wound up with? Well, we're afraid to do about just anything we want to do. We're we just about free to, 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 to do this thing any way we want to do it, at any time we want to do it, and, 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 and all of these things. And, and I would tell you that we have to be careful about pigeonholing and, and saying, well, that was the law of Moses and it was strictly for Israel. For the word says, Jesus said, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will what? Y'all missed your cue. Y'all ever take drama or something in school? You got a cue, and that's your time to say your lines, all right? Let me give you one more chance here and see if we can get this thing right now. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will what? It will abide forever or will not pass away. Is the law of Moses not part of the word of God? Now, I want you to understand this morning that there are certain commands certain applications of the law of Moses that we don't abide by. If it is, every one of us has broken the law of Moses this morning. For how many of you have gotten on top of your house since you built it and built a, or bought it and have put a battlement around the top of your house? You know what a battlement is in this particular case? It's a border. Put up a wall, a three to four foot wall, all the way around the roof of your house. That's commanded in the law of Moses, you know. Well, what's the principle behind that? You see, in those days, not everybody sat in the living room or wherever the computer was and everything, but, and nobody had air conditioning, so in the heat of the day, they would go up onto the roof of the house where they could get a breeze blowing, and you needed a battlement because you didn't want somebody walking around the roof of your house and fall off the house and get hurt. Now, is there a principle for you and I? Well, yeah. We need to make sure that our house is in such a place that, and, and, and in such a shape that people are not going to get hurt in it. But it's not necessarily that we have to obey that particular command. According to the law of Moses, you and I would not be able to light fires in our house. I don't know about y'all, but I grew up in a time if Dad didn't light a fire in a wood stove, we was going to get cold that night. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
You see, there are lots and lots and lots of commands in the law of Moses that the specific application of that is no longer valid for you and I, but the principle remains because his word will not pass away. If the law of Moses was only for the children of Israel in the Old Testament, then why did Jesus say, I'm not here to destroy that law, but I'm here to do what? Cue time again. Fulfill the law. Why would you need to come fulfill a law if the law is dead and has no principle, has no value anymore because you've moved from Old Testament to New Testament? So as we look at the fourth commandment, not to, observe, uh, to uh, keep the Sabbath day holy, and we understand that the Sabbath day is what you and I would call Saturday. It's the seventh day. Literally, the word Sabbath means seventh. The principle remains. And what I want to show you for the rest of our time this morning is that the principle of the Sabbath is that God created it, instituted it, so that you and I, now listen closely to me, you and I would force ourselves, because if we don't force ourselves to do it, then this day becomes like every other day. But God instituted the, the Sabbath, that seventh day, or for us, the first day of the week, and there's a reason why it's moved to the first, we'll talk about that. But God gave us this day as a gift, y'all. For our delight, for our health, for our benefit, for our betterment. And I would go so far as to say that we, when we set aside the notion of the priority and, and, and the importance of a day set aside from all of our work, from all of our pleasures, from all of our this and that and the other, a day that is set aside for us to rest and to worship and to have family then we are, are, are going to find ourselves with a whole lot of other problems. In fact, there is an old southern theologian that wrote an article about this. If you'll bear with me and let me somewhat quote what he said. Old southern theologian named Daphne expressed in graphic terms what he saw in the implications of failing to take seriously the fact that God does not intend for us to live the life that we now live. What are you talking about? The life that we live in which we are running 100 miles an hour every day, everywhere. The life in which we live where families never have time to be families anymore. The life in which we live in which people are not together. I, it is amazing how many families will be together this very day and instead of spending family time together, you'll see them if you walk into about any dining room or any living room and they'll be sitting there in the living room. TV will have Sunday afternoon football game going on and there'll be six or seven of them in there and they're doing like this. They don't even know each other's around. Now, did I say it's wrong to use your phone on the Sabbath? No. But we are rapidly breaking down those things that God has given to us for our benefit. Again, 
<laughs> you know, when I was a kid playing t-ball uh, uh, in the Little League, we had games one night a week and we had practice one night a week. Trevor, did you only practice one night a week all last year in baseball? Or was it a whole lot more than that? A whole lot more than that, wasn't it? You know, and we've, we've, we find ourselves where we feel like we've got to make sure that our kids are in band and taekwondo and football and baseball and basketball and soccer and our girls are in dance and in cheer and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and we just, man, we just run ourselves to death. Seven days a week. Dabney said, I have some real concerns when we engage to live a life that God did not intend for us to live. He said, there are some inevitable consequences. If you try, he goes on to say, to work like a madman seven days a week, or if you only live to experience the pleasures of life for seven days a week, or if you have some combination thereof in which you work and work and work and pleasure and pleasure and pleasure for seven days a week without giving God His week, he said, this is what it will bring upon your body. First thing he said was lassitude. Now, I'm sorry, y'all got a real country preacher. And I don't know what lassitude was, so guess what I did? I had to look this thing up. Y'all know what lassitude is? Whew, boy, y'all made me feel better. Dabney said, when we go like this, nonstop, like ants everywhere, he said, we're going to experience lassitude. And I said, well, what in the world is lassitude? So I looked it up, and you know what lassitude is? It's a fancy word that says you're going to get tired. It's called fatigue. That's what lassitude is. It's fatigue. Imagine that. God said, if you're going to run, 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 go, go, do, 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 and everything, you're just going to flat wear out. You know how many children of God walk into the Lord's house on Sunday morning and you ask them, well, how they're doing? Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. I had a preacher one time mention in a sermon, I understand why y'all go to sleep when I preach. I'm not that great of a preacher, but the problem is, is y'all have worked yourselves to a complete frazzle, and so for the first time all week long, you sit down and you get still, and the body's going to naturally do what? Because you are fatigued. You have lassitude. I'm going to use that word a lot more now. You're wore out. No wonder I can't get through the introduction and you're already... It's the first time you sat down and got still in all week. He said, not only are you going to experience fatigue, but he says your body's also going to be filled with nervous anxiety, disease. Here's one for you. Premature old age. And he dared to say, even sudden death. Because you never slow down. That's on our body. We ain't even talked about the minds yet. He says on our minds, it results in morbid excitement, impatience, rashness, blindness of judgment, and lunacy. Now that word I didn't have to look up. I knew what that one was. Dabney said, if you're going to work and live for work and live for pleasure and you're not going to take one day, I'll tell you what it'll do. Mentally, it'll make you go crazy. I don't imagine he got many amens as he shared that with his congregation. God said, 
Mind you that Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, as he mentions himself and introduces us, uh, himself to us in Luke chapter 6, the Lord of the Sabbath, he said, uh, mind you that he was there in creation. And six days did the Lord labor, and on the seventh day he did what? Was it because he was going to go, luna, uh, go crazy? Was it because God was going to become fatigued? Well, absolutely not. Then why did God rest? To set forth a principle and a, a truth that you and I must claim and, and, and know without any shadow of a doubt the land needs to rest every seventh year. The oxen need to rest. The mules need to rest. The beast of burden needs to rest. The Bible says your servants need to rest. Every seventh of the year or day of the week, man needs to rest. The land needs to rest. God said, I'm not doing this because I need to rest, but I'm trying to help you understand you will need the rest. And more importantly, God said that seventh rolled around and I didn't do anything that day as far as adding to, not because I was tired, but now hang on, but because I wanted to enjoy what I had already done. Y'all, we're missing out on something when we do not approach Sundays as I can't get, I cannot wait to get there and enjoy being with my brothers and sisters, and worshiping my Savior. I, I, I maintain, and I hear it all the time, about, well, I just didn't get much out of that. Well, that was too long, that was too boring, that was too this, that was too the other. Listen, when we come on His day, and we've set aside our calendars from all the other junk, and we've cleared our mind of all the demands, oh, i got to get this done, i got to go here, i got to meet this deadline, i got to meet this quota, i got to make sure this is done. If we'll push all that junk out of the way and say, you know what, this is God's day, and He has given it to me so that I can rest, so that I can enjoy it, and we come to God's house with that I can't, wait to get here. I can't wait to be around my brothers and sisters. I cannot wait to begin to sing the first song of praise to my Savior who died on the cross for me. I cannot wait to worship Him. That's a whole new mindset. And I, I Get mad at me if you want to, but I'm just telling you that mindset is probably in less than 10% of every churchgoer this morning. I'm just, I'm going to be honest with you. Say, so, well, how do you know that? Because I figure that I'm human like you're human, and I can figure out how many times I've went to the Lord's house minus that mindset. It's Sunday. What else do we do? Well, we go to the Lord's house, and we get out at 12, and then we go and do everything else that we normally do on any other day as long as we can get back by 6. And if we can't, well, then... I'm sure the Lord understands one of our favorite expressions. God said, I've given you a day as a gift. I've set the example for you. You know what? I remember my mama always telling me this. I bet you do too. Whenever you came home and you asked, could you go there or could you do this? And your mom or your dad said, no. And you said, well, all my friends are doing it. What did you often hear? Anybody know? You missed your cue again. 
if they all jump off a cliff, are you going to go with them? That sounds, you know, silly and simple. But let me tell you something. Just because the world, just because all of your neighbors in your community are running themselves into their grave and not taking time for their Lord, doesn't mandate that you and I do it too. We don't have to. Just because they're doing it doesn't mean we have to do it. Mark 2, 27. Jesus said that man wasn't created to keep the Sabbath, but that the Sabbath was created for man. And I believe that his intent was because it is a gift to man for them to do certain things. What is it? Number one, rest. Rest. I worked at Nixon's Rental Center in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, before, long before I surrendered to preach. We probably stayed in business because of International Paper Company. Every year, once a year, International Paper Company would shut down for two years. It's the only, place, only time in a year that that place didn't produce paper. Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, they're out there producing paper. But every year they'd have a shutdown. And they would plan all the maintenance and all the upgrades and all the new equipment and everything that was going to be done for that, that, that uh, manufacturer of paper had to be done in those two weeks. And so they would bring in all the equipment and they'd bring in all the workers and they'd work these guys 12 hours a day, seven days a week. First few days wasn't bad. By the end of the first week, we had guys starting to drift off to sleep and getting injured. We had other guys that were forgetting this step and causing something else to happen or break or somebody else to get hurt. By the end of the two weeks, being out there on that shutdown was dangerous because man's body, listen to me, Man's body was not created to go seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Can I do it for a little while? Well, I can, but I'll promise you there's a price to pay for it. There is a price to pay. Oh, yeah, I'll get a little tired and get a little grouchy. My wife will learn to live with that. It's, it's, it's greater than that. How many kids? Or growing up almost in a fatherless home because dad's working himself to death trying to provide for the family and he has forgotten that the most important thing he can provide for his family is spiritual leadership. Guys, you want to provide for your family? You want to be the best dad you can be? Yes, they need shoes. Yes, they're going to need clothes. Yes, they're going to need this and that and the other. But I'll promise you, later on in life, your sons or your daughters will be much more thankful that you invested in them and not just spent your whole life investing in all the equipment they need to play all of these different sports and so that they can have all this stuff. You and I have got to invest in our kids. Rest. Rest. Now, here's the other side now to this. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll be honest with you. Again, from experience, we're not real good at resting from our job and from pleasure and from this and that and the other. You act like you think I'm crazy for that. Anybody ever come back from vacation and say, I got to go back to work so I can rest up? About every vacation, isn't it? 
Here's our problem, one of the problems. While I'm talking about resting, this is not the place to rest. Because rest does not mean idleness. And that was my mistake for years and years and years and years when I came to the Lord's house. I come in, I sit down in the pew, uh, I'll mumble some words that goes with a tune. If I'm not called on to pray, I'm not following along. See, that's the thing. We call on somebody to lead us in prayer, and then we just kick our mind up neutral, don't we? Well, I'm not leading in prayer, so there ain't nothing for me to do. You know, wait till the prayer's over. And then the preacher gets to preaching, and well, he, he's doing all the preaching, so I'll just kick my mind up in neutral again. Listen, we're not worshiping God when we come to this part and we kick our mind in neutral and we're started to rest. This ain't the place to be resting like that. No wonder we go to sleep. No wonder we walk out thinking I didn't get anything out of it. Rest doesn't always mean to become inactive and idle. God gave us this day for rest. Rest from our labors. Rest from the aggravations of the day. Rest from all the, the, the drama. That's become a key word today. Boy, my school's filled with drama. My job's filled with drama. My wife comes home every week. And all those females up in there, and I, this is not a, a male versus female thing, but all those females up in there, and there is just way too much drama in that office. You know what? Sunday ought to be a place that we can escape from that. How often, though, do we sit in services and we've kicked our mind in neutral, and so sooner or later we start thinking about the office tomorrow and the drama that's going to wait and meet us there. Rest does not mean we do nothing. The rest that God's talking about is mixed with consecration. It doesn't mean relaxation, but it means to set aside some things to focus and to key in on some others. Consecration to Him. I've got to hurry. It's, I didn't realize it was this late. I apologize, but he gave us this day for rest. He gave us this day for family. Y'all know I've got basically what I consider two fathers. My adopted father that adopted me. Everything that, if there is anything spiritual about me, I owe to God first and foremost. But then I owe it to my father, my adopted father. I saw him and I learned from him what it meant to pray, what it meant to read the Bible. I even saw from him that it was okay to shed tears. It was okay to lose the macho man attitude. That it was okay to spend some hours in just complete silly, just almost meaningless one year at Christmas time my dad and he normally didn't do th silly things like this but my dad for whatever reason got me and the other two boys around and we began to bark like dogs jingle bells there is a family recording of us boys you saw dad and us boys burf, burf, burf. 
You know, it's just silliness. You know what? I'd like to have one more opportunity to be silly with Dad again. Family time. I, I would to God that some fathers would start saying, boys, put the computers up. Not throw them out in the yard. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. Put the computers up, put the Game Boys up, put all the DS, the, all, whatever else it is now, I don't know. No, we're not going to stream a movie. No, we're not going to watch a football game. We're going to sit here and be a family. Just be a family. God gave us this day. You know, think about it. If you work yourself to death seven days a week, or you work yourself to death for six days a week so that you can enjoy the seventh day a week, stop and think about it. how much time do you really get to spend with your kids? I, I told Joe and Christy that my grandbabies right now is the most important time of their life, and everybody thinks it's their teenage years. No, if you wait to the teenage years to instill into them morals and values, you've waited too late. Now's the time to do it. But think about it. How often are they actually with them? From, what, 7 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock at night? And then at 5 o'clock at night, we come in and, and we choke down a, a, a McDonald's burger so that we can get them here and we can get them there and we get them home. And I hear people say all the time, our kids are exhausted. Well, then slow life down for them. Slow it down. You're the ones that control that. And take that one day and spend it with your kids and begin to teach them. This day was given to us to rest. It was given to us for family. It was given to us to worship. To come before our Savior and realize that He died for us. And that this day, we're not going to look Him in the eye who died for us and say we're sorry when we get our house done, when we get back from this vacation, when we get through working to save up enough money for this, when we do this, when we do that. Lord, when we get everything else that we want done first, then maybe we can get around to your day. But instead to say, you know what, all that other stuff can just wait. This is His day. If He died for me, that I could go to heaven, the least I could do is one day out of the week consecrated to him. Finally, in closing then, and this is one that I didn't think about at first, it's a day to rest, it's a day to fa have family, it's a day to worship, and it's a day to reinforce our hope. You see, this Lord's Day, we're in his house worshiping him but we don't see him right now not with the eyes the physical eyes that we have but you know what <laughs> here today if we've done this right will be a lot of what we're going to do when we get to heaven the only difference is it won't be in the house like this and we won't have to do it by the eye of faith we will see him I don't know about you, but I've lived in this life long enough to realize that if I don't keep my heart focused on beyond this life, 
if I'm not careful, all of a sudden I lose any hope at all. Life has not turned out the way I imagined it would all along. I've got to keep my mind focused beyond this world and to realize I'm just traveling through this world. This is not my home. I am not, yes, I'm a citizen of this nation, but my citizenship is in heaven. And one of these days, I'm moving. I'm moving there. So the Lord's Day reminds us of the hope. Let me ask you this. If every day you could wake up and there was a bank account for you that had $86,400 in it, Boy, everybody's eyes poked up then, didn't it? $86,400 every day? You mean, preacher, I can get $86,400 today and get up tomorrow and have $86,400 more and the next day and the next? Yep. I want you to imagine every day a bank account. Only you could control that account. And there was a couple of uh, uh, provisions with this account that came with this account. Number one, whatever you don't use of that $86,400 it's just gone. You cannot carry it over till tomorrow. And number two is you can't borrow from tomorrow's balance to add to today's. But every morning you're going to wake up to $86,400 in this account. Can't carry any of it, can't carry any of it, any of it over, and you can't borrow from tomorrow. What would you do with that $86,400? Would it be invested in things that have good purpose and, 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 and are beneficial and, and have long-lasting results and so forth? Or would we just frivolously spend it? I go to, Bryant, go to Walmart with Bryant now. If he's got $2, it is amazing the junk he can find for $2. You know what I'm talking about? You and I both know that it ain't going to last till you get out of the car before we get home. It'll already be tore up. It's just junk. But boy, he wants it. And he's willing to spend that $2 on it. This bank that I'm talking about is time. You see, every morning you are given 86,400 seconds every day. You can't borrow from tomorrow's time, and you can't take what's left over from today into tomorrow. All you can do is say, Lord, I have 86,400 seconds today to invest in something that is worthwhile. God, on this first day of the week, been moved from the Sabbath to the first day in honor of your resurrection. Lord, on this first day, I will spend as much of that time as I can in something that is profitable spiritually. Most of you know of a well-known preacher by the name of Piper. I don't agree with everything he says. He's a uh, Calvinist from the word get-go. But that doesn't mean everything he says is wrong. Piper said this. He said, we will never be more satisfied with God than we will be when he is glorified in us. I want you to chew on that for a while and think about that. I, I fear that we have a lot of churchgoers that are not satisfied with God. We will never be more satisfied with God than we will be when he is glorified in us. Faith, I'm not going to tell you what you can what you can't do. If you're looking for, can we hunt? Can we play golf? Can we go fishing? Can we go to there and that and the other? Can, can we? Or, 
I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do, but I will tell you this on the authority of the Word of God. The first day of the week in honor of our resurrected Lord is a very special day, and we ought to approach it with a certain mindset that says this is first and foremost God's day. It's a gift to me so that I'll rest, so that I will spend family time, so that I will worship, and so that I will be reminded of the hope that I have. Father, we come to you today as our musicians come and the congregation begins to stand very quietly now we prepare for this time of invitation. Lord, it is so easy to let the world impact us. The world says Sunday is the last day that you have before you have to go back to work. To just enjoy whatever you want to do. It's, it's the only one of two days that you have to accomplish this at the house and this and there and go and do and before you go to go back to work. Father, may your spirit and your word recommit to our hearts this morning the first day of the week is our opportunity to come together and to worship you and to rest from the, the, the busyness of the world, to worship you, to spend time with our family, to have our hope reaffirmed. Father, help us to let that attitude dictate where we go, what we do, and what we don't do. We ask that you would get honor and glory from everything that was said and done this morning. For it is in your name I pray. Amen.